All right. I'm going to start us off by receiving a question. Um, we have 45 minutes before we end, so I really feel like it'd be, it'd be worthwhile making the most of having Catherine and Daniel here with us and really just anything. Catherine's one of the most delicate appearing women, but she's also like a brick wall underneath. No, no, wait, that probably, maybe that wasn't, what I mean is, let's start again. Song of songs. What I mean is she can't be offended. Yeah. Unoffendable. Because everything she's just been teaching, she's found perfectly in the Father. So if there's anything you didn't understand or that you might feel like, oh, maybe that's going to be offensive or whatever, ask it anyway. And that's why we're here. So what's my question? So in that note, I have a question. (laughs) No. So who's got one for us? We might just yell them out. Um, it, oh. oh, Dave will kick off. Should I repeat that? Actually, what, why don't you say it into the mic? I'll, I'll go around. We'll just say it so everyone can hear. So there's two aspects of prophetic ministry that I understand. There's the office of a prophet, and then there's the priesthood function of prophetic ministry. We're all called to be prophetic. How do you identify a prophet? And is it something that someone should pursue, the office of a prophet? I wouldn't recommend it. I, as in, I wouldn't recommend pursuing the office um, because the office will pursue you if you are called to it. Be faithful with the prophetic ministry that you, are, that you do have and then in time, leaders will recognize you um, as a prophet. Graham Cook would say that it takes 20 years to develop a mature prophet. Um, and for one to develop into the office of prophet if they're called to it. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, uh, When I think of Timothy or others. However, I do understand the principle of it. I'm really, really reluctant to call anybody as standing in the office of prophet without having journeyed with them for a long time and seen long fruit lots and lots of fruit and that they're recognized by the leaders and the community. And then I think they grow in their sphere of influence. There are local prophets, house prophets, there's um, regional prophets, there's national prophets, there's um, international prophets, there's justice prophets, there's building prophets, there's all sorts of different prophets. Um, But I think that they are... You know, we don't call ourselves um, until we start to be called as such. And then if you are called and recognized as a prophet, don't play a false humility a game. You know, stand in that office and operate in that with confidence. But we don't self-appoint. So we don't say, I'm called to be a prophet, but nobody recognizes me. Well, like, just get over yourself. 
you're supposed to be dead. So anyway, hallelujah. Yeah, so, um, but if you are called to be a prophet and you know it in your heart, be the servant of all and um, steward well the prophetic gift that you have. And in due time, as you humble yourself, God will exalt you and God will make a way. I love um, Lana, Lana Vorsa. She's beautiful. You know, the way she just started being diligent with what she had, releasing, disciplined herself to release a word every single day on her own little Facebook page. Every day she wrote a word. Every day she went to God asking for a word. Every day she wrote a word until suddenly um, people started recognizing it and passing it on. And then very, very, very quickly, now God has exalted her to an international platform. And it's only come through her stewarding every day. I have a prophetic gift. What am I going to do with this? All right. I'm not going to wait for a platform. I'm going to use a platform I already have. And I'm just going to release a word every day on Facebook. And I think that's a brilliant example of being faithful with a little, and God will give you much. Um, prophets prophesy. And if you're not prophesying, you're only prophesying occasionally, then you're probably limiting your growth. But if you prophesy every day, you'll grow very quickly. I think um, you kind of already answered my thought process with the example of Lana. Um, I was thinking with should us being, would you recommend them being diligent with um, in in that place with God pursuing like asking for words, is it okay to ask for words for the nation, for international and just steward, steward them um, like personally, privately, or what, do you, what can you do with those words? First Judea, then Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. So I would start by releasing words locally and then you you start to get platform because you could release an international word but if nobody knows who you are it's not going to affect you can pray it but it's not going to have international impact if you haven't got the platform Um, so it doesn't mean you don't get the international words um, but uh, what I would do is to um, be faithful with the little and to go with the initiative of God if, God, if you feel like, wow, God just gave me a dream for the nation, then, you know, sh- certainly release it. Um, and God will do with it what he wants to do as you offer it to him. And you give it, you say, what do you want me to do with this, Lord? If he wants you to publish it, then you publish it. And you, you see what, what the Lord does and be, be happy with that. Um, but yes, definitely, you know, any of us can prophesy over nations and to intercede with the prophetic word. We didn't talk very much about prophetic intercession, but Cindy Jacobs says um, you can't be, uh, you, you can be an intercessor and not be a prophet, but you can't be a prophet and not be an intercessor. And that's actually true, I believe. 
I used to argue with that because I never wanted to be an intercessor. But I do believe you can't be a prophet and not be an intercessor because if you are getting prophetic words, you will have the burden to intercede and you need to pray those words through. Um, intercessions are selfless calling where you're interceding on behalf of other people. And prophetic intercession is a really big thing. If you are getting words for nations, prophetically intercede over those nations and over with that word, wage war with it, declare it, speak it. If you feel then just share it publicly, share it publicly and just keep doing it. Um, with the attitude of not, I'm not giving a national word because I want to be recognized nationally. I'm, I'm stewarding what I've given by praying into it, interceding and declaring it over the nation. Hallelujah. And, and, then, um, and then offering it to the Lord. Is that helpful? You are called to prophesy to nations. So. Thoughts on that? Um, just talking from my own uh, experience, um, I'm completely different to Pastor Catherine in, in the prophetic. Um, I get very intrigued by some stories I hear from Pastor Catherine. It's great. And I have a deep respect for that gifting because I find myself, when I'm under that anointing, the prophetic opens up in a greater dimension. But I never chase the gift. I don't think chasing any office is, is in, uh, wise. But we eagerly desire the gifts, but I don't chase the office. And it says that we should all eagerly desire to prophesy. And, but the gift will make room for you, it says in the word. It will bring you before kings, so you don't need to worry about it. And so in, say, my itinerant ministry, which I've been doing for a couple of years, it wouldn't be a service I wouldn't go without prophesying over people. But I didn't consider the prophetic uh, gift, uh, so the office of a prophet, as my primary gift. It's just that I'm a Christian, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, and one of the gifts of the Spirit is to prophesy, and I eagerly desire to prophesy and activate that gift. However, in the, there's different facets of the prophetic as well. So as I said, I'm very different. One of the areas, or well, the two areas that I mainly move in the prophetic is what I call a building prophet and also a governmental prophet. So I can walk into a nation, I'll start speaking to governments, and I'm actually talking in secular language, but it's it, it, literal governments, but it's actually a prophetic word. So when I went to Pakistan, for example, I was saying, Pakistan must save Pakistan. And I was really thinking that the Christian church needed to rise up and they needed to save their nation. That's for the, the word that I had for the nation. But the government got onto that and they were thinking that I was saying that the government needed to you know, rise up and look after Pakistan. So within you know, 10 days, I was speaking to the whole parliament. And that because of a prophetic word. So that's a gov that's, I didn't chase it. I didn't try and get in front of the government. I didn't try and do anything. I just responded to a word. And the, 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 the office was opened up and it made room for me. In the same way, two biblical examples of a building, building prophets are Daniel and um, you know, uh, Joseph. Now, if you look at both their lives, they both were prophetic. Daniel seeing things and Joseph seeing things. But they were called to come alongside a leader, in both cases Pharaoh and save a nation, uh, as building prophets. Uh, but they were prophetic the whole way through. Uh, but, they, but their outworking in the office of a prophet was as a, uh, a co-laborer or a support, to, a strategic support to um, the leader. 
And so in the, in the way that uh, I work with Pastor Catherine and Pastor Tom is I'm a building prophet to the church. But I didn't chase that gift. You know, I didn't chase the gift. I actually tried to keep it really quiet, didn't tell anybody who I was and was doing all this secret stuff. But the gift chases you. The office chases you. And you, you cannot, even if you try to hide it, it will bubble up naturally. So we, don't, we can take the whole lot of pressure off ourselves, just be ourselves, um, be what we're called to do. Um, I would love to have some of the encounters that pass. Oh, like, I would love it. Maybe I will. Who knows? Um, but I don't chase, you know, it's not like because it's different to what I uh, experience. I, I don't uh, differentiate myself as a different Christian or anything like that. I've got there's much right to prophesy as anybody. That's full of the Holy Spirit. We all have the same rights. And so we're just faithful to that, and the gift will then naturally form. And um, the office of prophet, too, is also more, is more governmental in terms of, um, you know, uh, equipping the saints to prophesy and, and also, you know, strategically releasing prophetic words and so on. Um, but it's also in... Um, in context, you prophesy according to the measure of faith that you've been given. So if you're just starting out, don't be presumptuous in assuming that you alone have the blueprint for the church and you're going to come and tell Mark and Dave how they need to run their church. You know, that's not how it is. Um, but you, you grow uh, and um, in, in terms of your invitation into authority and, uh, and you're known by your fruit. Hallelujah. I just want to add, firstly, as Glory City, Darwin, I don't think everyone here comes to our church. Um, but for those of you that do, we don't want this school to be a start and stop type thing. We actually want to raise a culture of the prophetic in our church community. Um, so as those that have gone through this training the last few days, just just being had clarity on just foundational, healthy, prophetic culture, we, we need to be willing to put it into practice as a family. Um, and so, so I think practically, like, we have church tomorrow morning, that you guys would be even considering in your heart, like, Lord, what, what would you, might you speak to, firstly, individuals in our church community? Let them speak to you about the family and just encouraging words and stuff, but also be like, what's on your heart for Glory City Darwin? What do you see? What do you, what's your heart towards it? And begin to um, approach Dave and Ruth or myself and Christine and be like, man, I feel like God's saying this, so that we can, we can have a greater tuning in to the voice of God for our community. Like, oh, I so want to implement this. Um, I know it's been on my heart. That's why I've been so excited that these, um, these guys would come so we can just raise the bar and actually create a really healthy prophetic culture. So so exhort you guys to, to be thinking that way and, and having ownership um, of the prophetic climate in our church family. Does that make sense? And I, I, I do just feel as well, there's, um, I felt my heart just start racing as we were talking about the fivefold because I feel like there's sometimes um, a handful of people when the fivefold begins to be spoken about or taught and it can be it's a slightly maybe um it's been rediscovered fivefold leadership structure as, a, as opposed to a maybe a senior pastor kind of framework there's this fivefold apostles prophets teachers and it's a little bit unfamiliar and i think if we're in a place in our hearts where we haven't found the satisfaction of sonship 
in the Father, and then you begin to hear apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor, and you haven't anchored yourself in the acceptance of the Father in his Son, Jesus Christ, you'll think, oh, that's why I'm not satisfied in him. That's why I haven't found my calling. And actually, no, you just haven't discovered your sonship. You don't have to reach out for a fivefold function. Does that make sense? We're called to be satisfied by sonship. And if there's a function he's gracing us with, we will stumble into that as we enjoy our sonship and walk in our sonship. I'm kind of rewording what you've just said, but it's so on his heart. The fivefold is a foundation. It's not the top of the triangle. It's a foundation that the saints are built upon into the house of God, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. So the, the pinnacle of the Christian life is to be a saint, to be a son, to be a daughter. And, and as Catherine said, though, we cannot ignore that scripturally there is fivefold functions. And so mustn't be afraid, mustn't have that false humility towards it either. Um, Can I just also make one more um, uh, comment? Because we've been doing this for a long time, you know, inviting people to prophesy. Now with a larger church, we can't just let anybody prophesy because if I let we're such a prophetic culture now that everyone can prophesy and everyone's got a word Um, but if I just let anybody prophesy it could be a good word but I might be missing out on a really important word from one of the um, established prophets that we need to hear and we we'd end up end up not having enough time so I generally look for those mature gifts in our big services and then in the smaller arenas like at the prayer meeting or here and there we we are able to hear from others or I do encourage people to write their words out if they've got a word and bring it to us but here's the thing don't be offended if you've got a prophetic word and you don't get the opportunity to give it so if you come and you say yeah me and and they say not today that's how I normally tell um, if someone's going to be good to get up and, and let prophesy. I, I say no to them a few times. Not to be mean, but just to see what's in their heart. I don't do it on purpose, actually, but I often find that the circumstances are such that, like, I actually, I, I can't, not today, I don't have time. And if they stay sweet and beautiful... After a few times, then I realize, wow, yes, let's hear what you have to say. Because their their security is not based on their ability to be heard, uh, but in who they are. Yeah, the atmosphere. <gasps> it's true. Dad, you'll tell them how I deal with it. <laughs> Have you ever seen me do that? Um, yeah, uh, I've never seen Pastor Catherine operate outside of respect and honour for the person. So never, never humiliated any person or never uh, directly uh, confronted, uh, you know, like so directly that that person feels terrible. Um, But I do know her body language, and I do know when she's not happy. 
And um, you'd never tell because she's still smiling, but she's not happy. And the, there's just a, a, a redirection. She redirects the attention away from the, pro- the problem. This is like kids. If you say to a kid, you know, there's a glass of water over there, don't touch the glass of water. As soon as you walk out of the room, all they're thinking about is a glass of water. But if you say to a kid, there's a glass of water over there, don't touch it. But there's a great jug over here. And then all they're thinking about when you walk out of the room is the great jug and they forget about the glass of water. And so it's the same way that uh, I've seen Pastor Catherine um, uh, when there's been an issue. She's let enough information to know that you should just, just weigh that one and then a quick redirection and take the focus off and redirect the crowd over. The only other time I've seen uh, where there's had to be like a huge correction is uh, actually when a ministry was ministering and uh, it, it, there was uh, not some appropriate things that went on and um, uh, Pastor Catherine did enough to let uh, put people at peace but then directly uh, in a private manner confronted that ministry and was very direct and very clear about what should happen and what shouldn't happen. So it's, it's not about being, you know, just or uh, a lovey sort of thing. There's quite firm leadership, but it's done in a very uh, respectful and God-honouring way. Yes. Thanks, Daniel. Um, and that's true. However, in the early days when I was... So I, have, I rarely have this problem anymore because I only open it to the house prophets because we're, I mean, we're on television and everything. I've got to be really careful. Um, but um, in the early days when I just let anyone get up, I did have a few clangers, like, wow. One guy got up and he was like, God's got to kill her, you know, something dumb. He said, oh, wow. And... I, you know, if it's said publicly, I have to address it publicly. But I do try to do it in a way. So that one was a really new Christian. And I just got up and went, you know, Fred has just been saved a couple of weeks. We love Fred. Let's pray for Fred right now. <laughs> so everybody would know. <laughs> And we're like, and let's bless Obama right now. Then we bless him. <laughs> you know, hallelujah, moving on. And then we think about something else. So never draw attention to what you want others to forget. It's a really good point. Never, ever draw attention to what you want other people to forget. <laughs> but if someone got up and they said something like, you know, Pastor Joel is of the devil, you know, or they did something that was like, I would get up and I would address that. I would, I would address that really strongly. And um, it's still in love, but I wouldn't let it pass, you know. Um, so there's, it, it's, there's certain things. That's never happened, hallelujah. But there's, sometimes there's been wrong doctrine that's come. And my husband loves it. He loves to watch me do this because he, he just smiles and goes, here we go. Um, because I will just, I, there's a grace for me to do this. I will grab it and I will pull it around and I'll speak truth because truth dispels lies. So I don't just focus on the lie. I, I, I bring the truth and I have the last say. 
Yeah. Question? Questions? You've kind of talked about it, but a question on my mind is when you're talking about waging war with prophetic words to bring them into action, how do you, like if someone else has given it, how, if it hasn't happened yet, how do you know if it's from God or not? And to, if you're to wage war with it and believe that it will happen, and it could be something good, but maybe it's not from God? If a prophetic word's from the Lord, it will ring true in your heart and there will be confirmation about it. So if you've got this word, God sent me, God wants you to go to Iran, and you're like, I don't know, I've never thought about Iran, I don't know, and you let that bother you for a long time and there's no confirmation from anywhere else, there was never anything in your heart about it in the first place, then I would put it on the shelf. I wouldn't be waging war with that. I would just be letting that sit there on the shelf. But I wouldn't let it bring me condemnation or direction. But if there's something else that you've had in your heart really strongly, a deep desire of your heart, and then the word comes and it's like, wow, yes, that's so God. And then he confirms it in your private time. Uh, through the word of God and someone else comes and brings another word that's really confirming and you can feel God. You can feel it when it's, when it's God. It's not just tickling your desires. Sometimes, you know, a prophetic word can be given to answer the idol in your heart. Um, you know, just you, you read about that in, um, with Jehoshaphat when he was in the room with the other king. I can't remember who it was, Ahaz. Or, and... Um, and the prophets just are prophesying what the king wants to hear. And then they, they bring the other prophet in and he goes, da, 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 and just says what everyone else is saying. And the king goes, tell the truth. He goes, all right. <laughs> um, because um, they, were, they were giving an answer according to the idol in his heart is what the scripture says. So there are times I feel it actually on altar calls where I'm going to pray for people and um, I can feel them pulling on me to give them the answer that they want, to give them the prophecy that they want when it's actually not the will of God. I can feel them. It's witchcraft where they pull on it. I want that. I want you to say this. Um, and I won't go, go with that. There's a tussle that goes on in the spirit when there's that soulical stuff. So I'm not that... That's not what I'm talking about. When, but when God um, speaks a word that's true, you just feel the love of God. You feel the peace of God. You feel the blessing, the anointing. You can, you, his sheep know his voice, the Bible says, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So if a word's been given, like I got words, I got a word from a guy once um, who obviously didn't believe in women in ministry. Um, so his word was, I see you illustrating children's books. And I'm like, I can't draw. And I don't even care about children's books. You know, like whatever. But I put it on the shelf. I still have never had a confirming word about illustrating children's books. And I don't want to. 
and I'm not bound by it, you see. I don't look for an opportunity to illustrate someone's children's books because I don't really want to. Um, so that's not God. It doesn't mean that the prophet was bad, but it's, it just wasn't the right word. He just looked at me as a little woman that was like, that would be an appropriate ministry for you. <laughs> I've got... I've got a question. I don't think that we covered it. Um, I don't think we covered it in the sessions with Sarah and yourself. But sometimes when you're uh, opening up the prophetic and you're coming across some person, you'll actually see the negative as well as the positive. So how do you deal with that? Oh, um, that's a good question. So I never prophesy the problem, ever. Never prophesy the problem, prophesy the answer. So say I see someone's got a real problem with something, I will prophesy the answer. Um, because if I prophesy the problem, I, I reaffirm that they are in that problem and I run the risk of solidifying their problem and um, bringing more shame. Uh, so generally, you don't prophesy a problem, you prophesy the answer. So there's been times when you'll hear a prophetic word and then maybe six months later you'll be like, oh my gosh, that's, that person's saying the same thing I heard from God myself six months ago and you're like, whoa. And now I've recently just experienced something where I heard from God and I was crying and I was weeping and then the next day someone said something exactly like they were in the room with me and I'm like, you told others? And then the next day someone else did and then the next day someone else did and it was really like I've never experienced it and I was wondering why, if you've got experience in this or you've seen this before, sometimes they'll be like, but then there's times, which I've not experienced very often, where it's just maybe 10 times over and um, reasons being an exclamation or now that you're in a more prophetic environment, Anna, or maybe it's the seasons. So I just um, did a webinar at the beginning of the year with James Gole when he was having quite a few different prophets prophesy over the year. And um, so I had particular scriptures and words, but it was all lining up with, unbeknownst to me, with the same, all the prophets are prophesying the same thing. And if they're not, then God might, you might think God was schizophrenic, you know, in that we all have the same God. So... You know, if prophets are prophesying this over the year, uh, it's going to be the year of goodness and fatness, and another prophet is prophesying it's going to be a year of leanness. Um, you go, hang on, there's a problem here. <laughs> What's the word of the Lord? So it's just a real encouragement to us when we're hearing all the other prophets saying the same thing. And that's where prophetic company is a really, really good thing. Um, so... In the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. Thank you, Daniel. That's very true. Um, so often the prophets are writing to me or voxering me, like Lana will send me a voxer or Daryl or different ones. Send me a voxer. I'm hearing this. What do you think? And I'll go, oh, yes, I just had this dream last night. Absolutely. Concurrent. And, and we, can, we all concur. And yes, and we release words. And um, that's why we have our round table at the end of the year. Um, you know, wanting to hear the Lord, where the Lord is for the coming year, um, because He's 
it's one spirit and we all prophesy in part. We might have different parts, but it all works together, which is why in the corporate setting, if you're hearing the Holy Spirit prophesying in a certain vein and it doesn't fit at all, it could be a different part, but if it doesn't fit at all, sit on it and, um, and then maybe talk about it because God doesn't contradict himself. Yeah. Who's got another question? Dick. Um, I just wondered, I heard this mentioned once down in Brisbane, but, and I went, aha, that I've experienced like silencing in the ears or like, a, like the mute buttons being turned on. And I just wondered if you've ever experienced it or heard stories of it and what do you do about that? Um, Graham Cook talks about this hidden, hiddenness and manifestation. Um, he does a good series on that, hiddenness and manifestation. That there are seasons where you're just like, wow, it's pouring a revelation. And there's seasons where it's like, ah, oh, feels really dry. But in every season, just like when Jesus cursed the fig tree because it wasn't producing figs in season, in every season we can still hear his voice. Sometimes it's coming more prolifically and sometimes you really need to press in to hear. Um, in the pressing times is the opportunity to go deeper. Uh, in the pouring times, it's the opportunity to be refreshed and strengthened. Uh, but in every season, we are still his sheep and his sheep still hear his voice. So there are times where you're like, God... I've had times like that where it's like, I need to hear from you and you're not even speaking to me. Um, but it's often been that I don't want to hear what he's saying, <laughs> actually, <laughs> sometimes for me, because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to hear that. Um, but I should never be afraid of God because even if I hear something I don't want to hear, if I keep listening, he's got something good and something positive to say. Uh, so I can trust him, trust him in that. Um, but there's other times where it is, it is just hard to hear. Um, but you just press in. Um, it's like the, the Syrophoenician woman asking for bread or asking for her daughter to be healed. And Jesus was like, I'm called to the lost sheep of Israel. That could be a picture of those seasons where you feel like he's not responding but her response was perfect and she just went no -uh -uh, I know who you are even the little dogs get the crumbs off the table and God goes oh God resist you you're so lovely I have to give you what you're looking for and so basically in those seasons it's our opportunity to go I know you I know what you're like it's like Mary when Jesus said it's not my time she was like Whatever he says, do it. She put her faith in who he was. And in those seasons, put your faith in who he is, not what he's saying and not what he appears to do. But put, his, put your faith in his character. I know what you're like. I know what you're like. Positioning myself because I know what you're like. Even if you don't seem to be responding to me, I know you're going to. And that's when you have 
the opportunity to please him with faith in the midst of what seems like a dry season or it seems like rejection is just an invitation into a greater glory. That would be my response. I've never had that happen. If that were happening, I would say that's the enemy and you need to take authority over it and go get off in the name of Jesus. Uh, that, that's what I would deal with. The enemy does try stuff and he's mean. Um, and so Wigglesworth would experience things like that. He'd be praying for the sick and then he'd feel the things jump on him. The same thing he was praying for would jump on him. Praying against would jump on him and he'd be like, get off. He, he practiced self-deliverance a lot. <laughs> I mean, and, um, and so I actually do that too, though, when I pray for people. When I go home, I do, I do just brush off. Just, just clarifying your question. So when you're about to um, have a prophetic word, you'll feel a dulling in sound. And it's like a mute button goes on and you become very focused. Is that what happens? No, yeah. no. Like just in, like, today, during yeah. these talks, like the... Oh, okay, yeah, that, that would be, yeah. as you said. I was just going to say that uh, everybody's different and different manifestations for different people. And, uh, but there is an interesting thing. I was on a platform with uh, Benny Hinn once and I was watching him do his thing and he's singing all these old songs and I turned to the minister who was next to me and I said, why does he sing all the old songs? Why doesn't he update it a bit and get with Hillsong or something? And they said, because he knows the way of the Spirit through that door. And um, as you learn the ways of the Spirit, uh, you'll learn ways or access points in, in, in navigation in the Spirit that it's right for you, but it's not the same for everybody. And so you just have to be comfortable with yourself and comfortable with who you are not try and be somebody else um, and, and just trust uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, the same Holy Spirit that's in me, is in you and in all of us and respond to him in your way. So there's no one right relationship. It's a relationship with the Holy Spirit, just like I've got a relationship with my wife, which is different to my relationship with my daughter, which is different to my relationship with my son. They're all different people, different relationships, but the same people. <laughs> you know, I'm the same guy. So it's the same with the Holy Spirit with us. We all have an individual relationship with the Holy Spirit and we learn his ways and navigation uh, that's right for you. Do you still have that going on with your ears? Oh, come on, let's just get rid of it. Come on. All right, we've got time for one more because we've got five minutes left. Colette. Um, I just wondered, like, this happened to me, so it was many years ago, and it was a church that I went to, and it was one of the, the leaders had, had a vision for me, but, and I realized today, or a picture for me, and a dream about me, sorry, and I realized today that, that, that it was a bit negative, like there was a, ne it was a, ne it was, it was, it wasn't positive that what she saw, and then where I went 
was, it wasn't what you were saying. It wasn't like, and it, it really affected my whole life. It made me think, oh God, I don't, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go that way. You know what I mean? And then I did, I walked away from the Lord, you know. Well, I, it was a while, a long time ago. And anyway, I'm back, hallelujah. And I just, God, I love him with all my heart. And, um, but it, it, that, and it's still there. And I'm thinking, oh, that's what she prophesied over me. That's why, you know what I mean? So I just thank you, but it's like, how do I just get rid of that? And because that's a lie, isn't it? It's actually a lie. And I realize that now. It's actually a lie. What she said was a lie. So how do, and, but I respected her and love her dearly. So. some really yucky bad words from people who've also given good words that have affected me for years with fear subtle fear um, so I know how to deal with that stuff now I let it affect me too long um, what you do is you confront it with truth because it's a demon uh, riding in on that and you confront it with truth and if whatever lie is being spoken, and you know it's a lie, you find the truth. Let the Holy Spirit reveal the word that you can use as a weapon. And you, you, you determine, this is what I believe. And you use that word as a weapon. You confront it. You don't let it hang around. You confront it. Every time you think about it, you confront it again with the word. Write it down, even the answer. That's the truth. And it'll go. It, it's not to be tolerated, that stuff. You can't tolerate it and just go ignore it because when you're weak, the enemy will have another go. He just hangs around like a bad smell unless you tell him to go. And the only way he'll go is by the word of the Lord, the truth dispelling the lie. Um, is it Barry? Yes. yes. This will be the last one, but I've got a feeling it's going to be a good one. Okay, this is more um, comment than anything. I just like your comments on this. I'm beginning to see more and more things, um, not only people, but um, things, times, doctrines. I see it more than, more than I think. It just appears before my eyes often. Even in times I can almost see to the end. And it's, sometimes it's startling. Just like a comment on that. Um, like, okay, um, see, somebody's talking about doctrine. I can actually, in the last, it's taken me a while, I guess, but I sought the Lord, and I can almost see towards when Christ's coming back. That's just an example. But um, with things I can see, begin to see, uh, when it first happened to me in 1977, I got so scared, I said, I don't want any more. But then recently, God has given it back. I sense, I sense people. I could see where they're at spiritually. I said, "This is too much." And then recently, it's come back with love and wisdom. So I've got a balance with love and wisdom. It's much, much better. Um, before it was just frightening, just seeing things before my face. I could, I could see a person. I said, "You're about. You could speak in tongues, but you didn't want to." And I, after, after a, a few weeks of that, I thought, I don't want any more. <laughs> it's far too much that I can handle. I think what you're talking about, if you, we need more love to be able to handle things like that. So just like a, a comment, I mean... That's great, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's great, Barry. It's really good. 
Prophetic people often carry burdens, uh, um, and, and it's important that we know how to handle those things. Um, like I said, prophets can't can't not be intercessors as well. Um, and so what we what we need to do though is not just carry these things. We need to learn to release the burdens to the Lord. Um, I didn't know that, and um, so I'd be carrying all these burdens. I'd be like, I don't even know why I feel sad, but I'm feeling sad because he's feeling sad beside me. And, you know, I don't even know what to do with all of this stuff. Um, But when I learned how to release it, that I'm not meant to carry it for any length of time, that the moment I recognize an intercessory burden or I see something, I'm supposed to bring it to the Lord in prayer and pray it and release it. And then I don't carry it. Otherwise, you become an unhappy prophet. And that's not fun. Yeah. Or you go mad and you don't want to do that either. Amen. Amen. Anyone got another comment? No, I, I just think um, with the prophetic, I feel like we're not as vulnerable as some of us have thought. So like a prophetic word, no matter who it is, it's, it, you know, it's not going to invade your life and dictate your future if it's not from the Lord. And I feel like, I, I think... You know, this whole revelation that we've been given pure hearts by God and regeneration. And the Bible says that when we delight in him, he gives us the desires of our hearts. There's this whole way of Christian life where we can actually be moved by desire. And so if you're walking with him and you know he is the Lord of your life, you love him, your heart is positioned to be a good son or daughter, then someone gives you this left field word about whatever, mates, dates, or something, something negative, something full of fear, you can just hold it up against the desires of your heart in that season, knowing that they're submitted to the Lord. And it's not going to invade. It doesn't actually carry power. Does that make sense? It's like we're so strong in the Lord, not hard-hearted, but just strong people, sons and daughters, so we can kind of weigh it. I've had words that, I've, again, I have a shelf. I like that word. You just have a little shelf and you put it there because I don't want to just dismiss it but I'm not, I'm not pursuing that thing. But if in five years, seasons change and I'm walking into something and that word on that shelf goes, wow, that was actually significant, then I'll pull it off and steward it. But it doesn't have power when it's on the shelf. You've just, you've just put it there. I don't know. I, I think I just felt that for you, Colette, as well. And, you know, it's, yeah. And then just the truth, the truth, the truth, the truth. You know, and sometimes even the negative things can be an opportunity for the enemy's plans just to be exposed. And so if someone prophesies a lie to you, you can go, ha ha, I know what the enemy was going to plan. And so here's the truth. Bang, this is what God's going to do. Shaka masanda. And actually, now that I've seen what he was planning, we can we come in the offensive. Oh, okay, what time? We'll do one more, one more. That's good. Sorry if you've already answered this question in the course as well. Um, just a couple of times some, someone's had a dream about me or something. Is a prophet someone you would take that to, to interpret, or is it like you hear dream interpreters and things like that, but how does that all fit in? Yeah, like, so one of my friends has been like, oh, I had this dream and this was happening and... Um, some parts I was like, oh, yeah, 
okay, that's interesting and, like, I've asked God about it, but then, like, I know there's dream interpreters or Daniel, obviously, and things like that, but... Um, The Holy Spirit is the revealer of mysteries, and so you can ask the Holy Spirit what does it mean. Um, There's some really great books, like The Divinity Code um, by Adam Thompson and Adrian Beale. It's a brilliant book on dream interpretation. Uh, But dream uh, interpretations belong to the Lord. Uh, So I would be asking the Lord for the interpretation. Uh, Dialoguing with with good friends, too, that they might have insight as well. Um, But just in the same way, you know, um, we don't have to go to experts. Uh, We can ask the Holy Spirit. It's helpful to dialogue it in prophetic company. Um, But God hasn't set it up that this one is a dream interpreter and this one isn't. In the Old Testament, it was um, God's way of bringing evangelism, I believe, to Egypt by demonstrating the goodness of God uh, through interpretation that there is one true God, God was revealing himself. Uh, But now we are all the priesthood of believers. We all have the capacity uh, to hear. But it is a good thing to dialogue within your home groups and, and, and talk with leaders and other people might have insight, which is really exciting. Like we dialogued a dream uh, and, and it just brought another layer and it's quite fun. So, yeah. Awesome. Amen. Dave, did you want to add anything, any thoughts? No? All right. Well, why don't we give Catherine a hand, hey? Wasn't that amazing? Thank you so much, Catherine. Wow, what a wealth of revelation and practical teaching.